It's Sunday night. We're here at uh, December the 30th, 2018, going into this new year, which is pagan also. And I don't have time to explain that. I'll say something about that next Sunday morning. Uh, I was sitting up here talking to uh, Glenn and Mrs. Glenn. Uh, before we started, Brittany, and before we started, and I was talking to him about the Bible. The reason people don't understand the Bible is preachers have complicated it and made it a complicated story of a whole bunch of different events, and that's not what it is. The Bible is one story from beginning to end it is about a family and that includes the New Testament if you can get down the basic picture and story of the Bible you can fill in the blanks We're trying to remember everybody's name and all the events that's the hard part but getting down the story is not hard God starts there in Genesis in Genesis and that's where he creates the heavens and the earth He's got a family and he's going to have a he's going to have a lineage in this family that's going to be his family. He's going to bless that lineage and nobody else. And that's the same thing as predestination. Well, he creates heaven and earth here in Genesis one. Uh, Genesis two, he sets the rules and creates the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Now, this is where sin starts. You've got to understand that, first of all. Sin is the word meros. It means, or excuse me, it's hameros, A-M-E-R-O-S, or hamartia. There's no H's in the Greek. Ha, M-A-R-T-A. E-I-A. Harmatia is a construction of meros and the alpha privative. That's what sin is. You say, I don't understand that. We'll kind of look at it without an H, and it's just a, a alpha privative, I mean a diacritical mark. It's got an H sound, a breathing hamartia. It's a construction of A and meros. Meros, meros is a word that means the same thing as law. Nomos. Nomos is the word law. It means legal food for sheep. Well, in the garden, the Lord says you cannot. Meros means a portion to eat of. A portion to eat of. And amartia would mean no legal food, no law of God. When God sets down the law, he says, thou shalt not eat of this. Meros would mean a portion to eat of, and that would be the legal food for sheep. That was in the garden when God says, you can't eat of that tree. Believe it or not, that was where the Christmas tree first appeared. Not going to go into that. Don't have time. And then the third chapter is where 
Eve eats of the tree and Adam eats of the tree. So you got the definition for sin. Amartya is the word sin. It means it has basically the same definition as iniquity. A N O M O S is the word iniquity. It means no legal food. Nomos is the Greek word law. I don't know why I'm going to all this. I guess we need to define sin. Sin starts in the garden. Thou shalt not eat of the tree. So anomia, A-N-O-M-I-A, comes from the alpha and nomos. The alpha prudium negates the word means no law. Hamartia means no portion to eat of. No portion to eat. I don't know why I put E-A-S. No portion to eat of. So that starts in the garden. Iniquity starts in the garden. And sin and iniquity are basically the same thing. So they sin. And then God sets up his, in the fourth chapter, you've got Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel. And then you get to the fifth chapter and God sets up this family that he wants. It starts with Adam. He says Adam had a son and his name was Seth. Well, this goes back to God. And Seth has a son and so forth. And this goes all the way down to the 11th chapter. You've got Noah in here. Noah and his sons. He's the 11th from Adam. And then you have the 11th chapter, which takes from Arphaxed, the son of Seth, son of Shem, and goes all the way down to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This is all one seed. These are all, these are all, this is what the Bible's about. It's about Israel. You get to Jacob, his name just changed to Israel. There's one story in the Bible, this is it. There's no other timelines. This is the timeline. Get to Israel, he's, that's Jacob, his name's changed to Israel and Isaiah. Isaiah. The 32nd, I'll get it right in a minute. The 32nd chapter, not of Isaiah. Genesis, the 32nd chapter. Genesis, 32nd chapter. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And he's got 12 sons that become the nation. And that's what all the Bible is about, Israel. And they've got their jobs. I'm not going to go into that. And then, of course, they end up in captivity, finally. Well, they end up, excuse me, in Egypt in bondage at the end of Genesis. Actually, in the first chapter of Exodus. Don't have time to go there. Because I'm giving you just a rundown. This is the Bible that I'm giving to you. They end up in Egypt for 400 years. And then uh, they come out and they're 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. And then going in the wilderness, God tells Moses, you tell Israel, obedience is everything with me. And people say, works don't have anything to do with our salvation. Works has everything to do in salvation and has nothing to do with saving us. 
we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in the good works. Works of self-righteousness doesn't have anything to do with salvation. Rituals has nothing to do with salvation. But God's work is in us. He works in you to will and do of His good pleasure. Faith is constructed. It's kind of like having a car. I've said this so many times. It's kind of like having a car without a motor. You don't have a car. Faith is, I'm going to say this again. Faith is just like a car. Not a very good artist. But this is what it's like. This is faith. The car is faith. No motor is no faith. Faith worketh by love. Love is the motor and love is agape and agape is walking the commandments of God and that's what makes faith go forward is walking in God's commandments, Second John 6. Now, that's what, what it's about. That's actually it. Faith worketh by love. There in, in Galatians 5 and 6. In Galatians, that's faith. It works by love. And faith without works is dead. It's a dead faith. The word righteous works of God, faith is constructed of, of things. The works of God in us, faith is dead to self, faith is understanding, and then faith has to increase. So when you're in faith increases, you're going forward increases. You don't work for salvation. God births you, and then he won't let you grow up. He births you, and he won't let you grow up without working and making your bed and getting up and going to school and eating and and eating good food, and he has to take you away from this, this, this anomia and this tree in the garden, and he's got you made to eat of God's obedience and his work. Now, what the Bible is about, it's about this family growing up right here, Israel. It's about growing up and becoming righteous. Well, he warns Moses, if you, you tell them when they get into the land that I've given them as a kingdom, they have to obey me. If they obey me, this is what the church has to do. If they obey me, but if you obey, it's because God birthed you and he whipped you and causes you to obey him. When he says he scourges every son he receives, scourges a bloody beating. He says, I scourge every son I receive that you will be partaker of my holiness. Holiness is obedience. Holiness, H-A-G-I-A-Z-O. Hagiazo is a form of the word holy. Holy means single or pure. What beats self out of you is this, this scourge that God uses on you that causes you to obey him. You won't obey God on your own. Nobody will. Does anybody have a hard time obeying God? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody's hand going up. Yes, I had a lot of trouble for years. I wanted to obey me. I wanted my things and stuff. 
Well, Israel comes out of 400 years, goes to 40 years in the wilderness. This is the one story of the Bible. You got all these characters and events happening with them. And that takes you years to understand all of it. What I'm giving you is the skeleton, the skeletal structure of Israel. The rest of it you'll have to study for yourself to learn all these nations that come out of, that are around Israel, that that try to persecute God's people. This is the church right here. Church means called out, ecclesia. Ecclesia comes from kaleo and ek. Ek means out. We got exit signs on our door over here because that means out. That's what an exit is. Comes from ek. And kaleo, K-A-L-E-O. Kaleo means to call. We're called out of this world to live righteously, even to unto were you called every time the Bible says that it's talking about the ecclesia that's the word church and Israel was called out of Israel they were called out to live righteously they were called excuse me they were called out of Egypt to come to Israel and live by the law of God they were called out also we're called out they were literally called out we're spiritually called out because we're spiritual Jews Then, Moses warns Israel, just like God warns us with his word, you have to obey me, and as they're coming out in in this, they they leave Egypt in the 12th and 13th chapter of Exodus. That's where they leave. In the 14th chapter of Exodus, they're going down into the Red Sea, and that's where God says he pulled the wheels off the chariots, uh, off the chariots of the, uh, Pharaoh's army and say, now, now see if you can drive against my people. God wasn't merciful to Pharaoh. Well, God tells Israel when he comes to the mountain of Sinai, if you don't obey me, I'm, I'm going to give you laws. If you obedient to me, I'll fill up your storehouses the big concern was what are we going to eat? How are we going to live? How did they live? As they were coming out of Egypt, it's, it's estimated that they had about 250, 2,500,000 to 3 million people. What do you do in a desert with 3 million people? I think I've got a paper here. I'd like to read to you when they were coming out. Well, I think I got it. I may not have it. I have to come back another time. Well, I didn't bring it out. But anyway, I'll go through that and again. I've got the things that they did and what they had to go through as they were coming out. It's an unbelievable amount of things they had to do. Now, what I want to get to is show you what the end of time is about. The end of time is about these people right here to bring them out of what they got into when they came into their nation. They got into worshiping idol gods, and this has to do with Christmas. Got into worshiping trees. 
When you see grove, that's the tree goddess. They got to worshiping the sun or the fire. Fire was a representative of the sun god on earth. And that was Baal and the grove. Baal was the male deity. Grove was the female deity. And that was brought into the church in 325 A.D. by Constantine and renamed the Christ Mass. Same thing they're doing here. They did that all the time they were under judges, all the time they were under kings, for 510 years under kings, maybe 350 years under judges, somewhere in the neighborhood. And then God scatters them all over the earth because of their disobedience while they are a nation. That little circle right there, that little circle, or little oblong circle, is about all their disobedience. And then they come, then they are scattered all over the earth. And every prophet that prophesies against them after they're scattered, and the ones that prophesy against them while they're a nation, every prophet in the Bible will tell you who they're talking to. It'll, when it says Hosea, Joel, Amos, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. And you get to all of these people, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi. Those are the minor prophets right there. And when you get into the major prophets, the first one is Moses. People say, I didn't know he was a prophet. Yes, he was. And then you've got Isaiah. And Jeremiah. And then you have uh, Jeremiah and uh, Daniel, or Ezekiel first. Ezekiel and Daniel. These are the major prophets. There were more than that. You had many prophets. It was a prophet that would go to uh, Rehoboam and say don't go in and attack this king or that king and you've got prophets all through the Bible but we don't even know their names but this is what is this is the way these professors in these seminaries divide up the prophets the minors and major prophets and every one of these prophets whether it's ones that are named or not there was one prophet that was not named in that 13th chapter of first kings he was called the man of god and that's all he was called he was called the man of god when when in second kings the 23rd chapter when when uh when uh josiah has his great revival uh and they carry this man of god's body around carry it back to israel he was just called the man of god so any prophet that prophesied, they prophesied against Israel, against northern Israel. They prophesied. All you have to do is read the first couple of chapters of any prophet, and they prophesy against northern Israel, southern Judah, because northern Israel brought in Baal and the grove through Ahab. But they were worshiping Baal and Grove before Ahab because Solomon allowed his 700 wives and 300 concubines to keep their idol gods. And God split the nation because of Solomon's apostasy, not because of Ahab's, but because of Ahab's 
going after Baal in the grove, which was Jezebel, his wife's. He married the Ethbaal, the prince of Baal, the prince of Tyre, married his daughter and brought her gods, Baal in the grove, into Israel. And then their daughter, uh, Athaliah, when she was born, she ends up marrying Jehoshaphat in southern Judah and brings her gods down into southern Judah. So all of Israel has corrupted itself and all of this is carried into captivity all over the world. And every one of these prophets will tell you, it don't matter which one it is, will tell you that it'll tell you who they're prophesying against. Hosea is one of my favorite prophets. I don't know why they call him a minor prophet because he says as many things as anybody else I guess some professors set them off the way they want to I don't even know why they call Zechariah a minor prophet he's got 12 chapters got just as many as many of the others or 14 excuse me and then Hosea's got the same he's got 13 chapters and I would classify them over here with the major prophets. But some of the others thing, say major things also. So everyone, when Israel goes astray, all these prophets and a whole lot more prophesy against Israel, northern and southern Israel, Judah on that left side, and northern Israel, Northern Israel was called Israel, but they were all in Israel. Southern Judah was two tribes, and they were actually Southern Israel, but they weren't called that. When they were split, the reason Northern Israel was called Israel after they were split is because the inheritance went with Northern Israel. They only had one heir in a family, and that was Joseph and his second-born son Ephraim, inherited all of Israel. One man would inherit the household and he had to take care of everybody else in the household. Well, that's what Ephraim's job was. But when God split the nation, here's what he did. He split the king, had to come out of Judah, and the inheritance had to come out of northern Israel. So he splits it up. That's why I've said to you many times, only southern Judah received the 70 weeks. They only received. Ezra and Nehemiah has got the four decrees. There's nowhere else. And they were only given to southern Judah. So only southern Judah came back from the captivity in Persia. Babylon had carried Israel away because of all this apostasy that they were into. For 510 years under kings, about 350 years or so under judges. I have a lot of people have different opinions about that. But they were carried away and they prophesied against all these people here because most of these kings were evil in Israel. Not all of them, but most of them were. Now, where was I going? All right. Now, what happens to Israel, God said, I'll send all of these things and I'll measure out a time period, 70 times 7. And that 70 times 7 won't take place until God gives a decree to rebuild the city.
that was torn down by Nebuchadnezzar, literally plowed under, when Nebuchadnezzar carried Israel away into captivity. And God says, I'll, first of all, they had 70 sets of the sabbatical years. Sabbatical year came every seven years. And they had 70 sets of these seven, every seven year sabbatical years. I'm not going to go into that. I went into that here a couple of weeks ago. And they had 70 times seven. That's an amazing number. Because Peter asked Jesus, how many times shall I forgive a man? Seven times. Peter said, you forgive him 70 times seven. That's the number of the 70 weeks of Daniel. Seven was a perfect number. It was actually a number of completion. Number of completion. Uh, it comes from the word, seven is the word Sheba. When you see that word, Queen of Sheba, it means seven. She was Queen of Seven. I don't know why. I hadn't figured that out yet. But it comes from the word Shabua, S-H-E-B-U-A-H. Shabuah is the word oath. In order to take an oath to God, it means an oath or two, seven, oneself. When you see all those sevens in Revelation, then you know what that means. So Sheba and Oath come from the same thing, or to be sevened. So God says, I'm going to measure out, first of all, what I'm going to do. You had 70 sets of these sabbatical years you never kept. You couldn't plant. You couldn't reap. You had to leave the land alone for the poor and the needy and the animals. So you had to leave it alone. You had 70 sets of these sevens while you were in Israel. All of this, this judgment comes about because of the 70 times 7. So God says, I'll... Since you had 70 times 7 sabbatical years you never kept, I'm going to restore. That was where they couldn't plow or harvest while they were in the land. He says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to move you out of the land over to Babylon. But this is not to destroy you. This is to refine you. He says, don't go anywhere. I've got a program for you. I don't want you to go anywhere except where Nebuchadnezzar carries you. He's going to come over from Babylon. He's going to carry you over into Babylon for 70 years. So here's what I'm going to do. You had 70 sets of these sabbatical years, 70 times 7, or 490 years that you never kept these sabbatical years. So what I'm going to do in order for the land to enjoy her Sabbaths, you'll read that in the Old Testament over and over. It means the land has to enjoy her Sabbaths by laying fallow or unplowed and unreaped for 70 years. And he says, what I'm going to do, I'll leave you in Babylon. He said, when you get there, plant trees, marry wives, build houses. You're going to be there 70 years. Just go over there and stay. I'm going to give you opportunities that, to come back with these four decrees, or actually three decrees, of the Babylonians and the Persians. He says, I'm going to give you opportunities to come back 
from the land after 70 years in Babylon. God carried them away in 586 B.C. And he finished, they finished building the temple in 516 B.C. There's the 70 years right there. 70 years. 16 from 86 is 70. I'm going to leave you over there for 70 years so the land can enjoy. When you see, has anybody ever read that in the Bible where it says the land has to enjoy its Sabbaths? Has anybody ever read those verses? That's what it means. The land has to lie fertile, lie still. We have to do that in our society. You cannot plant a field every year, grow the same thing. For 490 years, you will drain and pull out every nutrient in the ground. It won't grow nothing after so many years. I don't even know how Israel was living after 490 years. The ground won't grow anything. I know that from personal experience. Me and Mary planted a garden for about 10 straight years, and after, it, after 10 straight years, it wouldn't grow nothing. I learned better than to do that. And you, if you live out in the Midwest, I've told you this before, if you live in Kansas, you live in, if you live in, in, in uh, Nebraska, that's the breadbasket of America. Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, they have to grow what we eat here in Nashville area, in Hendersonville. Without that, we'd starve to death. You can't say, what do you mean uh, we don't have enough food? We, or what do you mean we're getting overpopulated? You've got to have enough land to grow enough food for the massiveness of America. There's 320 million people in America, and we can't feed them if we don't have that land to grow in, and much more we have to ship a lot of it in and they have to have some farm agent come out there and tell them what kind of fertilizer that some farmer that owns a thousand acres and he's out there farming every year how he plants is been studied by in universities by the best of scientists through every kind of experience you can imagine. And they'll tell you what kind of land you can grow where and what kind of fertilizer you put on there. And they got all kinds. You can't just go out there and buy some and stick it on there to buy, to, for certain crops to grow. But we had to study this. They didn't study nothing. God says, I've got to study it out for you. Leave the land alone every seven years. They said, we're not going to do that. And so they broke that law. And since they broke that law, they went after other gods. They went after the, they said, God, these other gods are prophet. These other gods don't require anything from us to worship them. And they'll give us our, our wheat and our corn and our oil and all the rest of it. They'll give it to us for free. You, there are no free rides in life. Have you figured that out yet? None. You can't just have land out here and plant it and say, I'm... Home free. You, you, you can't even have your house free. You never own a house. You've got to pay taxes on it every year. If you don't, they'll repossess you. You never really own anything in life. Have you figured that out? 
So he said, if you don't come back after that 70 years, what I'm going to do is measure out that 70 years. I'm going to measure it out this way. I'm going to measure out from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, to restore and build the city that's been leveled by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. Where's 586? When he came over and carried you away from the going forth of the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem, you had four decrees. The first three decrees was about rebuilding the temple. That can't be one of those. People have got all kinds of arguments about how uh, the 70 weeks began uh, with the first decree. No, it didn't. That's to rebuild the temple. Well, it been started with the second decree. No, it didn't. It was a decree to reinforce the first decree. Well, I think it was the third decree. That's what the Seventh-day Adventist says. No, it wasn't. There's nothing about the the, in the third decree in the seventh chapter of, of Ezra that's talking about rebuilding a temple it's talk, rebuilding a city it's about, it's about supplying everything that the that the, uh, the, fair, that the uh, prophets excuse me the priests of God needed for the temple that had been rebuilt by these first three decrees the fourth decree was in Nehemiah, the second chapter. That was a letter, a letter that was given to Artaxerxes to Nehemiah, to Nehemiah, Artaxerxes, A-R-T-A-X-E-R-X-E-S. Artaxerxes, he was the king of Babylon, he was a Persian king, and he gave Nehemiah, and I got a million things to say about this decree in Nehemiah, but I don't have time tonight. I'm just kind of giving you an overall picture. And we've been talking about the 70 weeks of Daniel. This is the very essence of the end of time. End of time. The end of time. It'll be at the end of the 70 times 7. God says, I'm going to measure out 70 times 7. I'm kind of giving you basic structure. I got dozens and dozens of things about each one of these points. I just want you to see the basic structure of the Bible. It's one story about this family right here. They forsook God because they didn't want to go obey him according to his 70 times 7 they said we can't go a year without crops are you crazy Moses you telling us to do that we're not going to do that so they ended up how would you put this defying themselves when you had the 70 weeks that's the same thing as crop rotation if you don't have crop rotation, you'll burn the ground up out there in Kansas. You cannot go without some kind of treatment of the ground. God's treatment was leaving it alone. It will restore its own nutrients. And we know that's true. If you let land alone, let all kinds of vines and trees and everything grow up, then it becomes very fertile and you can clear the land and you can plant crops. 
that's true of our ecological society system, our biological ecology. You have to have that. Well, they did not want to do that. They didn't want to go by God's ecology, by his... My microphone is getting loose here. So God says, I'll measure out. This will take you to the end of time. And all of this, we're going to reconcile you back to God, bring you back to his truth by putting these 70 times 7 on you. And I'm going to scatter you to all the lands of the earth and people are going to persecute you. That's what we do in the church. They persecute us. God persecute, has people persecute us to perfect us. And we don't mean to be made perfect. We're talking about teleos. To mature us as the church. To make us mature. To make Israel mature, God's going to scatter them all over the earth. But he says, I've got an Israel that I'm going to call instead of you if you don't come back to the land after the 70 years in Babylon. Who planned that? That they wouldn't come back. When the Bible says they wouldn't come back, God planned the program. God planned for them to fall. One of my favorite verses concerning that is Romans 11, 11. Did Israel merely stumble just to stumble? God forbid. They stumbled and went after all these idol gods for all those 500 years under kings so that salvation would come to the Gentiles. So, so everything that all these prophets had prophesied to them about, they're not going to hear. Their hearts are going to be hardened. And God's going to say, I'm going to call a spiritual Israel. Spiritual Israel by another name. I'm going to call them. They will be Gentile, Gentile Israel or Gentile church. And they will undergo spiritual circumcision and they will be the spiritual temple of God everything that Israel was over here that's what they're going to be under this new period of time that's going to be the last 2,000 years and that's why God says in Acts 2 prophesied in Joel the book of Joel 3 that I'm going to out of my spirit on all flesh instead of just this one family over here it started with Adam in this fifth chapter goes all the way down through all of these through Noah uh, through our facts it all the way down to Abraham Isaac Jacob that's one flesh that's one family It was an old radio program. I remember walking to elementary school in Fort Worth and walking through Diamond Hill, going to the fifth and fourth and fifth and sixth grade, and out here some soap opera. They called them soap operas because they were they were sponsored by soaps. They'd say, "Does does everything? Does bring to you uh, or Oxidol? Remember Oxidol?" 
Y'all remember Oxidol? You remember Oxidol, don't you? That was a soap. Does an Oxidol sponsored half the soap operas? That's why they call them soap operas. Y'all knew that, didn't you? You didn't know that? You know that now. And I'd be a little kid walking on and say, does bring to you... Uh, Lorenzo Jones and his wife, Bell. Now, they'd be walking home from school. I hear Lorenzo Jones and his wife, Bell, coming on there. And they had one called One Man's Family. That made me think of this writing this up here. This is One Man's Family. And they all had a theme. That was Lorenzo Jones and his wife, Belle, and all they had was an organ. They didn't have orchestras, and they, they went to studio. Hello, Lorenzo. Hello, Lorenzo. What are you doing today? I'm trying to wash the car. Like, really interesting, you know. And they had As the World Turns on back then, too. They had uh, Ma Perkins. Nobody remembers Ma Perkins? Nobody? She was real famous as a soap opera. She was famous back in radio days. Anyway, this is one man's family right here. Started with Adam. It's Adam's family. Not the Adam's family, but Adam's family. Goes all the way down here. They're scattered. All the prophets are prophesying either against northern Israel or for corrupting for northern, prophesying against northern Israel through Ahab for corrupting Israel. And I've said before in Micah, let me just show you this again. In the book of Micah, look at the first chapter. You can understand this. This is not hard to understand if you know enough about it. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Micah. First chapter, this is very important. Verse 5. For the transgression of Jacob is this. I'm going to tell you what the transgression of Jacob is. Remember I said Jacob was the after he's dead and gone. He had 12 sons. That's the entire nation of Israel. What was the transgression of all of Israel? He's going to tell you. Here it is. It's this. Look what he says. The transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. Remember, Israel is, that's what northern Israel was called after the death of Ephraim. This was Israel. It's not that Judah wasn't Israel. It was southern Israel. Or it was addressed by the term Judah. It was comprised of Judah and Benjamin's tribe. But they took on the name of the head tribe, or more or less the ruling tribe. The scepter will not depart from Judah. This is Judah, the nation of Judah. But it also is comprised of the tribe of of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Northern Israel is the ten northern tribes or it is it's also called Samaria. Samaria comes from a town that was in northern Israel that was called Samaria and 
and eventually they started calling all of northern Israel by the title of Samaria. So this is Samaria, or Joseph, since Joseph's second-born son in the 48th chapter of Genesis was his second-born son Ephraim was given the inheritance when Jacob put his right hand upon Ephraim and crossed his arms to get to Ephraim. So the northern Israel is Joseph, since it was his second-born son that received the inheritance. This is Samaria, Joseph. It's also Israel. And it, there's several names applied to it. This was Judah, headed up by Judah, the tribe of Judah, and Benjamin, mainly because Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin, David was of the tribe of Judah. Now, let me read the rest of this. This is an extremely important verse. What was it that Israel, that Jacob transgressed against God for, for the sins of Israel? And what is the transgression of Jacob, which is all 12 tribes? Is it not Samaria, northern, northern Israel? How did Jacob transgress? It was northern Israel. And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? High places was a place where they would offer pagan sacrifices. But what is the transgression of all of Israel? Was it not Samaria through King Ahab? So where it come from? And his daughter married, married it down into southern Judah. She brought it into southern Judah when she married Athaliah, married Jehoram. So this verse will tell you all about how Israel fell right here, this one verse. Now, where was I? All right. Let me erase this off the board. you got to keep in mind, this is the family right here. Right there. That's it. And he says, I'm going to measure out, and when we get to the end of, we get to the end, we're going to be at the end of time. And people will say, why do you split up the 70 weeks? You split the tribe. You split uh, southern, excuse me. You split the 70 weeks into two sections. I didn't split it. The Lord split it. So, if you can understand the 70 weeks of Daniel... You're going to understand, in fact, if you, I told you that the Bible will tell you who they're prophesying against. If you're in that book of Micah and you look at, uh, he's prophesying against Judah and Israel all through here, and he'll say, in verse 6 of chapter 2. Prophesy ye not, say they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them that they shall not take shame. He's saying, don't prophesy prophets of Israel because you don't have anything to say. 
verse 7. O thou that art named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? He's preaching to southern Judah, northern Israel. Then he goes on down here and he says, uh, let me just give you a couple of things. In verse 13, the breakers come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out of it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. And I said, here I pray thee, O heads of Jacob. What are the heads of Jacob? Who is Jacob? Israel. That's all of Israel, isn't it? Who would be their heads? The priests and kings. The priests and the kings. They're the ones who are leading them. And you princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? You hate the good. You're the ones that led Israel astray, kings and priests. And you love evil. Going after Baal, Groh, Shemash, Molech, Osiris, Isis, Remen, all the rest of those gods, and pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. That was an old saying that meant to do something devastating to them. And if you go on down here, he prophesies against the prophets of Israel. He says there will be no vision in them from now on. You don't have any vision, Israel. And then he says over here in, he's talking all through here against who he's talking about. Talk preaching against the Gentiles in 5 and 8. He just preaches to them all through here. And if you go to the various books, read through them, you'll find out who God's talking to. Now, let me get over here and finish erasing this. So what we're looking for, from the going forth of commandment, Israel is scattered all over the earth. There are two different systems. You have Judah. And you have northern Israel. I'm putting northern Israel down here because they're the ones that started all this and they're the negative end of it. They started it through Ahab, northern Israel. I can't even spell when I'm talking. Northern Israel. That's the ten tribes led by Ahab at one point. He's the guy that polluted them with all that worship. by bringing, We talk about Jezebel in life. And we think of Jezebel as an evil woman that goes bar hopping. Don't, isn't that kind of what we thought? No, she's more evil than that. And a woman that decorates her hair and puts on her lipstick and all of that, because that's what she did. She decorated herself up. But that's not why she was evil. She was evil because she brought Baal and the grove and all these gods down into northern Israel, and Ahab married her and brought it all down to northern Israel. And it bled down to southern Judah. When their daughter married Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat. That's why Jezebel was evil. Jeze 
Bel. Bel was one of their gods. Bel or Baal. Bel means to confuse or to beat with a hammer. Well, that sounds like Babylon was the mother of harlots. When Babylon was was there in the Genesis, the 11th chapter, when she was being built, God says, now I'll confuse their languages. And Baal means to confuse the language. Now, this has been basically a story of Israel. It's a family. And then we become spiritual Israel. God blinds the eyes of literal Israel. He says, if you don't listen, but he, it's really amazing. He allows 69 of the weeks to go by. And they are just rebellious against God. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. Restore and build Jerusalem. This is da Daniel 9, 25. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. A prince is one to be crowned as king. The going forth the commandment is given in Nehemiah, the second chapter, when Artaxerxes was the king. We'll call him Art. Art was the king. He was a Persian king. He was the king. He's the one that gave letters to Nehemiah. He couldn't have given him letters if the decree had given to build Jerusalem before and any of the other decrees. He couldn't have given him letters. Once a Persian king wrote something down, it was law for as long as the kingdom stood. He couldn't even change it himself. So when, when Nehemiah is in his court, Artaxerxes seems to love Nehemiah. It was against the law to be found in the court of a Persian king being sad. If you were found being sad, you could lose your head for that. They didn't allow that. But King Artaxerxes saw that Nehemiah was broken. He had heard about the walls of Jerusalem coming down, about the temple coming down. You have to remember where these people are. Nehemiah is over here in Babylon. He's over here. He heard, and this is around 444 B.C. He has heard from his brothers in the first chapter of Nehemiah that the temple has been destroyed. How could it take that long to find out? Because Babylon fell in 586 B.C. 444, that was 142 years before he found out. Why didn't he know? Why didn't Nehemiah know before then? If you read the first chapter of Nehemiah, it'll tell you that his brother, his literal brother came over there. Came over here to Babylon on the Euphrates River Babylon is just about 100 miles. It's believed that's where they did their archaeological digs, and they found 
these towers of Nimrod, N-I-M-R-U-D. They found them just where they believe that comes from the Lord Nimrod. They found these towers of Nimrod on the Euphrates River. That's where Babylon was. It straddled the river. And they found them there. And how far was it from from uh, over here where Nehemiah was living in the palace of Artaxerxes? How far was it? You have to go up or you can't travel through this area. How far was it up, down to the, the temple in Jerusalem? It was a long way, about 650, 700 miles. How long did it take for news to travel? Could be 50 years, 100 years. They didn't have uh, computers. They had no cell phones. They couldn't call somebody over there. They didn't have FedEx. They didn't have U.S. mail there. Didn't have anybody they could contact. It's just when the word got there. When it got over there, that, and of course, Nehemiah was a slave. He didn't have, he was a, some would call it a butler. It was called a butler over in Genesis when Joseph was carried to the house of of Nimrod of not Nimrod gosh I've got so many things going through my head to the house of Potiphar when he was sold into Egypt and he read that he told the dream of the butler you remember that that was actually a wine taster A wine taster was one usually who was a eunuch. It's believed that that Nehemiah was probably a eunuch. The reason they were made of eunuch and they were emasculated, have their their genitals removed is so they couldn't they're gonna be so close to the king, they're gonna bring his wine to be tasted. And the butler or the wine taster would taste the wine if it was poison and the wine taster tasted it, he'd be right in the king's ear. He had the king's confidence. So he had to be a friend, hopefully, and that's what Artaxerxes had in Nehemiah. He was a friend. And he he loved Nehemiah. The Bible tells how much he loved him. And since it was against the law to be in a king's court and be sad when he asked Nehemiah what's wrong you, you're sad Nehemiah was afraid the Bible says Nehemiah was scared in that second chapter of Nehemiah but you have to know that why he was afraid because he was a mere uh, wine taster that's all he was and he was a slave probably a eunuch, and he didn't have much say in Babylon. And he tells King Artaxerxes, I'm, I'm very sad I heard that, the, that my home uh, temple has been wrecked and brought down and the city has been burned to the ground. Will you give me letters to go back over there and build the city? 
And he said, sure, I will. You know, I love you, Nehemiah. And he wrote letters and signed his name, and that was law. But the reason he could not, according to Daniel, the fifth chapter, when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, the laws of the Medes and Persians never altered. Even the king himself couldn't change it. So that's why when he wrote this letter to Nehemiah, it was law. And that's he couldn't have written that any other time but the second chapter of Nehemiah. If he had given the decree in the first decree, which was in Ezra, the first chapter, and it was also in Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter. This is not two decrees. This is two witnesses to one decree. It was one decree, and then the second decree was in Ezra, the 6th chapter. Ezra 6, and the third decree was in Ezra 7. The third decree was about supplying the temple with, with, with things that the priest would need. The second decree was just there to reaffirm the first decree and proof that that second chapter of Nehemiah, the king would have broken his own law if he'd have made a decree to rebuild the temple if one had already been made. They couldn't do that. You could not break the law of the Masons and the Persians. So when he made that decree, that was law that had to come about. So he gives the decree to rebuild the temple. So when the Bible says in Daniel 9.25, from the going forth of the commandment to rebuild, restore and build Jerusalem, that's in 444 B.C., unto Messiah the Prince, until Jesus... Approximately 33 A.D. When one fourth commandment to restore and build Jerusalem in Nehemiah 2. Well, where is the prince in the New Testament? Let's look at him one more time. Let's look at it one more time. Go over to... I need to go slow like this so you can get a hold of this. Are you getting a hold of it better along the way? Somebody tell me. Yep. Can y'all sort, sort of see this? Yep. All right. Here's the prince. A prince is one that who is to be crowned king. And Jesus is being introduced as the prince. He is the king of the Jews, isn't he? He's going to be crowned an eternal king in that 19th chapter of Revelation. Now, go over here and look at Luke, the 19th chapter. That's what this is talking about right here. Now, there's things that will happen at the end of time. I had intended to go through those. Tonight, it's the attitudes of men, the falling away of the church, the, the falling away of spiritual Israel. All right. Look here in the 19th chapter. Um, 19th chapter, verse 37. And when he was come, not even now, 
to the descent of the Mount of Olives, he's coming back to Jerusalem to be crucified. But they're going to receive him as king. His followers are. The whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And how is he coming into Jerusalem? Every king, as they would introduce themselves in a peacetime, would come on the young colt of an ass, and that was to present him as king. The reason they did that, the young ass was the most sure-footed of animals that they knew. That's why if you go uh, to uh, northern Arizona, the Grand Canyon, and you want to go down the side of the Grand Canyon, they have got a troop of people and guys that lead it down, and you'll ride up on the young colt of an ass. Now, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going to be that high up riding on a donkey's back. No way. I'm so terrified of heights. I ain't gonna ever going to get there. But the kings would ride on the young colt of an ass. This is prophesied. Look here in previously in the same chapter. And look at verse 29. It came to pass... When he was come nigh to Bethphage, Bethpage is what we would say, means house of figs, right outside of Jerusalem, and Bethany at the Mount, the most, the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, or beside you, in which your entering shall find a cold tide, wherein never man sat, and loose him and bring him here. And if any man ask you why do you loose him, thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. Now that's first prophesied over in Zechariah. Look in Zechariah. That's why you got to connect everything together. Zechariah is the next to the last book of the Old Testament. That's easy to find right before Malachi. Go back to in Zechariah, the uh, the seventh chapter. No, oh, wait a minute. No, in the, excuse me, the ninth chapter, verse nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon the colt, the foal of an ass. Now go back over here to Luke, the 19th chapter. The Son of Man is coming upon the young colt of an ass. Let's read the rest of this. In verse 38, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. He's the same king that was king of the Jews in the Old Testament. The Lord was king of the Jews according to Hosea the 13th chapter and according to the 12th chapter of 1 Samuel. 
And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said to him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that even these, that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The Bible says we are lively stones built up in spiritual house in First Peter, the second chapter. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. This is the end from the going forth of the commandment unto Messiah the Prince right here shall be seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. This is going to show you why God splits the 70th week from the 69 weeks. Seven weeks. These are weeks of years. Three score and two weeks. Okay, what this is, out of the 70 weeks of Daniel, he's going to finish up from the going forth of the commandment, Nehemiah 2, until Christ come into Jerusalem, Messiah the Prince, will be 69 weeks. A score is 20, three score is 60, seven plus two is 69 weeks. And that is 483 years. You multiply 69 times seven, 483 years, that leaves seven years to go. This is why the Bible says in the 29th, the 27th verse of Daniel 9, that the, that the 70 weeks will be consummated when it says he shall confirm the covenant with, with many for one week. It doesn't say that in the Septuagint. It says the week will confirm God's covenant. The man of sin is not going to confirm God's covenant. It'll be confirmed when Israel comes to the end of the 70 weeks and all righteousness of Daniel 9.24 is fulfilled in the end of sins, a, a cessation of iniquity, anointing the most holy. The six points of Daniel 9.24, that's when Israel, this is the whole idea of this story. It will be consummated when these two nations come to back, they become one, and they become spiritual because they can't come back to God unless they're spiritual Israel, and that's the church. They're going to have to join us, the church, as one nation. A Jew is not outwardly of the heart. In fact, I've got a paper here. Mary asked me one day to make up a, a paper for her to give the lady that she was working with, who was a, a uh, Jehovah's Witness. She said, give me some of those verses out of the New Testament where Israel is spiritual in the church. And I made this paper up for right here. And over in Romans 2, uh, verse 28, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but, a, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, that's the inner man, that Christ is born in you, the kingdom of God is in you. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. That's a spiritual Jew. Then Philippians 3, Paul says, For we are the circumcision. 
the amazing thing that Paul is saying. He's saying, I am a Jew from Tarsus up here. And this Tarsus was made a, a member of the Roman Empire. And he's writing to up here, this area right here, to Philippi. And that was nothing but Gentiles. He said, you are Gentiles. I am a Jew. I'm writing to you. We, me being a literal Jew, you being a Gentile. He says, we, me and you, we are the circumcision. The circumcision was a term for Israel. He said, me and you are the circumcision. And here's the requirement for being in the circumcision. He tells you what it is. Which worship God in spirit. That would include Gentiles and Jews. We have to become one. And Paul says in the in Ephesians, the first and second chapter, the Jew and Gentile become one man. We are the circumcision. Me, a Jew, and you, a Gentile, talking to Philippi, which worship God in spirit. The spirit is the truth. We rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in this flesh. That's God's spiritual Jew. That's over in Philippians 3 and verse 3. That's the Jew. Then he says here, and, and there's much more to say about that context. Uh, Galatians 6, I'm just giving you basic. Galatians 6, verse 15, 16. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything. When you called yourself the circumcision, you were talking about the Jew according to the law of God in Genesis, the 17th chapter. When he calls Abraham, he called Abraham as a Gentile. But he was in the correct lineage and he had him circumcised in that 17th chapter of Genesis. Where he tells Abraham, in order to be in your family, which is going to be my called family, this one man's family, you will be circumcised the eighth day why the eighth day that's the height of of the blood clotting factor in man we find that out not with abraham he's not going to teach them give them a lesson in blood and against in chemistry he god knew what day it clotted best so he said circumcise him the eighth day for, neither, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature, a new creation. And that's us. And then he says in Ephesians 2, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. He's talking to a Gentile church. Ephesus. Right here. Western end of Turkey in Asia Minor. <laughs> They're Gentiles. He says, remember that you were Gentiles in the past, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision. That was a term for Gentiles. That which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. The Jews used to call you uncircumcision. But now you're circumcision. Circumcision was the God's, was man's part of the covenant with God in Genesis 17. This man's, God says, you'll do this, showing that you agree with my law in obedience to my word. 
And then he says, you've got to differentiate something here. He says, you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Made by hands is talking about literal circumcision. Because in Colossians it says you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Verse 12 says, this is Ephesians 2, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Commonwealth is a word that means citizenship. Polites, P-O-L-I-T-E-S. Polites, we get our word politic from that. You're citizens, fellow citizens. And strangers from the covenants of promise. You as Gentiles in Ephesus, you had no part of Abraham's promises in Genesis 17. Didn't have any. Those people had no chance in the ancient world. And unless God picked you out and opened your eyes like he did Eliezer in the house of Abraham. Eliezer loved Abraham and the promises of God. In verse 19 of chapter 2, know, in verse 19 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, Know therefore... You are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the same household of God. He's talking to an Ephesian Gentile church. He says, we're of the same kingdom. In that chapter, he talks about he's made both Jew and Gentile one new man. How much time do I have, Mike? Sixteen. Fifteen. I'll be through here in a minute. Then in Colossians, the second chapter, you are circumcised with circumcision made without hands. That shows that the church is the spiritual Jew, spiritual Israel. Now, here's the whole thing. Go back to, let's look at the king. Go back to John 12 and verse 15. This is John's account of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on the young cult of an ass. John 12. John 12, verse 15. All right. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at first. When Jesus was glorified, then remember they these things which were written, and they had done these things unto him. Now, look over here. That's John's account of it coming on a young colt. Look at Matthew 21 and 5. Now, I've said to you before, you got to look at everything. If you look at Luke, Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and says, If thou hadst known, here's the whole point. Of I didn't give this to you. I need to go back to Luke 19. Here's why the 70th week and the 69th week are separated. The 69th week comes to an end when Christ reintroduces himself as the prince. The Bible says, from the going forth, the commandment to restore, build Jerusalem unto the prince. 
That's one who is to become king. But here's why they're separated. Look at look at Luke 19. Let's resume where we were reading. Verse 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, Israel, I'm talking to you. If thou hadst known even thou in this thy day, thou hadst known even thou at least in this thy day the things which belong to thy peace, but now you are blind. They're blinded. Now they're hidden from your eyes. You're blinded to the end of the 69th week. This shows the separation of the 69th from the 70th week. Now they're hidden from your eyes and you're blinded. So he blinds Israel at the end of the 69th week. They're not going to be able to see until the 70th week. That's why I believe there's going to be a certain amount of Jews. We're spiritual Israel. They're going to have to join us. No man comes to the Father by, by me, Jesus said. And the Jews claim to be worshiping Jehovah God the Father and they don't know that Jehovah is Jesus. Now, Look over here in Matthew, or John, no, Matthew 21 and 5. And this will prove to you this is the king. Matthew 21. I don't, I'm not sorry that I've said these things before. Do I think you get these all at once? No. I've been studying these 70 weeks of Daniel since 1964. That's when I started studying. I've been hearing about them since my father had been preaching in 1949. I'd go to some fellowship meeting, had hear some preacher stumble all over it, trying to explain it, and he couldn't, and that would be very seldom if I'd even preach on it. Now, in 21, and... This is very important. Notice the difference when Matthew says and Luke says. Luke says he blinded their eyes at the end of the 69th week. At the end of the 483 years. And he says here in verse 5 of chapter 121 on Matthew. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold thy king cometh unto me, meek and sitting upon an ass, the colt, the colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt. When he gets on that, when he gets on the colt, every king in a peacetime would introduce himself to some land he had conquered by walking in, by mounting upon the, just sitting on the back of an ass. They, when the Bible said he, that somebody saddled their ass, it meant they put a blanket over the top of it. That was their saddle. Don't mean they put a Western saddle that Gene Autry would jump on, you know, or Roy Rogers. It ben meant... Huh? Or Ben Cartwright. Who? Ben Cartwright. Uh, oh, Ben Cartwright. Yeah, Ben Cartwright. Yeah. He brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from trees. That's what they would do, cut down branches from trees when a king was coming into a, into a city to be introduced. They, had, they would have a forerunner. A forerunner would be a man that ran ahead of them 
and tell everyone, get on your face, the king is coming. That's what John was. He was the forerunner of Christ. He said, face down, here comes the king. And they brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Maybe you've seen them do that in some movie. They'd cut down these palm branches. The palm tree thrown in the path of a king was a sign of peace. He was coming in peace. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means God save the king. That's what they were doing. Said, here's the king of the world. God save the king. That's what Hosanna means. God save the king, King Jesus. He is truly our king. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. God save the king. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. That wasn't exactly a compliment. Now, so the king is here. This is the end of the 69 weeks. This is a story about Israel. Who is Israel now? We just said it's those that are circumcised of the heart. And God says, this new Israel is birthed in Acts 2. God pours out, poured out of his spirit on all flesh. All The spirit is the truth. John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26... John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6, the Bible speaks of the comforter, which is the truth. Comforter, P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S, parakletos. It means to call near. That's what the comforter is. It comes from the word comfort, P-A-R-A-K-L-E-O. Parakaleo means to call. Remember the word kaleo is the same word in church. Ecclesia, ek, kaleo, ecclesia. Para means near, to call near. So the comforter is the spirit. First John 5 and 7, the spirit is the truth. So the comforter is the spirit that comes to live in us when he bursts the Spirit in our hearts. I've given you just about the whole picture of the Bible here. You have to, by studying, you've got to fill in all the characters and the events and the timing. I could have taken any given point and spent all night and all day on one point by going all over the place and where it says things about it. Now, what we're looking for is the 70th week. 
70th week. Go back to, do I have any time, Mike? Go back to Daniel 9. You have to be here when I read on this because I can't preach this in one message. I keep saying that over and over. We already said that the I preached here last week or so the sabbatical year which is laid out for us in the 25th chapter of Leviticus is the entire picture of the 70 week, 70th of the sabbatical year and that's what they violated what was in the 25th chapter of Leviticus. When they, when they violated that God says I can't make you spiritually mature and every time you find in the New Testament you'll find the word virtue or perfect and he only talks about the spiritual man being virtuous or perfect. Perfect is the word teleos. Virtue is the word arete. Besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith. Both of them means to be mature and to grow up. They're actually synonyms for one another. They all have basically the same meaning. You add to your faith seven things. The first thing on the list is virtue and knowledge and long-suffering. And we've got to understand those seven things that we add, seven being the number of completion, and that's what we started the message with. What we're looking for is the 70th week. It was separated when he blinded the Jews. That's why, that's one of the reasons why Preterism can't be true. When they say, well, Jesus came back in the 70 A.D. and presented himself in the temple of God, see if the Jews would believe him. Why do he do that when he got their eyes blinded? And if you're elect, you will believe. If you're not elect, you won't believe. You understand what I'm saying? You can't believe if you're not elect. So when you get to the 70th week, I don't know if I got time to read this in Daniel, but it'll show you that it's separated from the 69 weeks. I've had so many people ask me, well, how can you separate the 70th week, the 69 weeks from the 70th week? Well, the Bible does it. He blinds the eyes of the Jews at the end of the 69th week. And here in Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people to do six things and upon thy holy city the holy city is the church heavenly Jerusalem the church to finish the transgression of going after Baal in the grove to end your, all your sins when you corrupted your commandments to make reconciliation kafar atonement for iniquity to bring an everlasting righteousness to Israel Everlasting righteousness has to be in. The old man, we're going to have to have a new body to get everlasting righteousness in. And to seal up the vision and prophecy, all prophecy will come to pass during the 70 weeks. And to anoint the most holy, that's the house of God, and we are God's house. And we have to be anointed with the blood of Christ. So the last one has to come in to the fold. As one has to come in the kingdom, 
And that's what happens in the 10th chapter of Revelation when the, when the mystery of God is complete and finished. Then the seventh trumpet sounds, the last trumpet sounds, and God changes his people. Know therefore and understand that from going forth the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, there in Nehemiah the second chapter, unto Messiah the Prince, to Jesus in Luke 19 and Matthew 12, and shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks, 69 weeks, 483 years, and the street shall be built again, and the wall in troublous times. Then you jump down here to verse 27. It doesn't say he shall confirm the covenant in the original text. It says the weak shall recur will confirm the covenant of God, which will be all these points of Daniel 9.24. And then he says, and within, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the middle of the week, the last 70th week of Daniel, 70 weeks at the end of time, the sacrifice and the oblation will cease. Not sacrifice in a little temple. We're the temple of God. The oblation was a bread offering offered every day, and we being many are one bread and one body. And he shall, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined, what was determined with the 77s, shall be poured out upon the desolate. I'm, I'm going to have to stop here. Run out of time. It's going to take going over and over and over this to understand it. Are some of you beginning to understand this? It's not something you can, if you understand it real easy, you do something I didn't do. I had to read and study and read and think and study and read and think 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 some more. I've never stopped thinking about the 70 weeks. I do it every day. I believe that we're close to the end of the 70th week. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God, help us to understand this story of the Bible. It's just one story. It's just like any other story that has a lot of details to it. Teach the church to want to understand it and study it and learn all the characters and the dates and the people and the sin and the, and the judgments of God that's brought. God will praise you for everything. Fight our battles, supply our needs, and we'll trust you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. It's one story, folks. If we hear this enough, we will get it in our heads. It's yeah. a lot of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a simple story. Got a lot of details to it. Just about God's people, whether they obey God or not. Yeah. And what He sends on our lives. 70 weeks of Daniel. I mean, I, I like to study that, you know. Well, you can't get it all at once. I didn't. I'm still learning. Anyway. I will listen to every tape in your series from 2000, January 2002 to January 2003. But it takes more than listening. It takes understanding. Well, I understand. And through listening, yeah, I understand. Yeah, but I don't understand everything. Hi, Milton.
I do. You see me, Milton? Oh, you waving at him on the TV? Yeah, I told him I'd say hi. <laughs> okay. It's just we're looking for that 70th week. So. Oh, I'll be glad when it comes. I still, I kind of don't, the whole Luke 19 when you were talking about the week, uh, why is the week separated? He blinded the eyes Jews there. They can't see. I got to keep watching because I kind of, kind of went clear, but it's, it's going to take some time to understand. It does take some time. It takes a long time. Uh, I'm trying to get it, but I mean, that part with the separation when you went to Luke 19, I was like... Okay, that well, he finishes the seven. At the same time, he finishes seven weeks. It blinds the eyes of the Jews, opens the eyes of the Gentiles. Fifty days later, in Acts two, and that's when the church begins to be spiritual. Isn't it? You just said the seventieth week wasn't. It can't be after the sixty night. Right after it. Well, it can't be right after it because he's got the Jews blind. And there, the 70 weeks is all about God refining the Jews so they can become all these six things of Daniel 9, 24. It's going to come together, but I'm like, why is it, why is it, uh, why is it a gap? Because it's blind, but that don't explain to me. Well, the Jews, well, it's all about Israel seeing. Israel seeing. Yeah, seeing and knowing truth. That's how they make an end of sins. That's how he makes a reconciliation for iniquity. He has, he has to have Israel see. You can't be blind and see. Can you? Okay. Okay. You can't be blind and see the points of making the end of sins, reconciliation for iniquity, anointing the most holy, which is, which is the house of God, and that's us. But also the little Jews with us, because he's made both one flesh. But through Christ. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When you say it like that, okay. Yeah, they can't see. And there has to be a group of them coming out of Israel that can see uh, see with us. Yes, to make an end of sin. What sin did they, were they involved in? Why was Daniel over there in Babylon? Because they were carried away because of their sin. Yes. David's nearly weeping, crying, Lord, how long are we going to be in captivity? That's the reason for So he sends the angel Gabriel and says, tell him this. Gabriel says, he gives, Gabriel is the one that gives Daniel the 70 weeks. You got to really, really understand, because I'm like, okay, Luke 19, the eyes have been, now your eyes blinded. How does that? Well, they can't see during the 69 weeks. They're not seeing anything during the 69 weeks. They've rejected God all the way to the end of the 69 weeks. They haven't seen anything. The 70th week is going to be a consummation of everything. And it takes the entire 70 weeks for them to see righteousness. If you read that 20, 24th verse, that's what they have.